0: Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The, come on up for the rising edition, as the AFC North champion Bengals look to end their 31-year drought without a playoff win as they host the Las Vegas Raiders. Coming up, I'll talk to the delightful Kay Adams from Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. She'll tell us why she predicted that the Bengals would be a playoff team Back in July, my one-on-one player interview is with CJ Uzama, who reveals who came up with the nickname Joey Franchise for Joe Burrow. Dave Lapham joins me to look at some of the key matchups on Saturday, and in our Know the Foe segment, we'll hear from Charles Davis from CBS Sports, who called five Raiders games on TV this year, including the Bengals-Raiders game in Week 11. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play, and here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Peyton Manning, breaking down video of Joe Burrow. The former Colts and Broncos quarterback hosts a show for ESPN Plus called Detail, where he does a deep dive into quarterback play. And Manning recently did a 25-minute segment looking at Joe Burrow's performance against San Francisco. It's tremendous, not only explaining many of the traits that make Burrow great, but also highlighting the play design and play calling expertise of Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. You need an ESPN Plus subscription to watch it, but between that show, and NFL Turning Point, and Tom Brady's Man in the Arena, I think the cost is well worth it. Now, let's get to my guests, beginning with a TV host who has become very popular among Bengals fans. She is one of the hosts of my favorite football show on TV, and she made an exceptional ruler of the jungle at Paul Brown Stadium several weeks ago, the NFL Network's Kay Adams. Kay, way back in July, you called it, you predicted that the Bengals would be a playoff team this year. What did you see that so many others missed?
1: I think what I saw, I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. It was people not picking the Bengals and for no reason. It was very strange that they were getting no love. They have the quarterback. They have the wide receiver. They, they're bringing chemistry in. Trey Hendrickson was a signing that I love because I studied the Saints very closely last year and loved what he did there. Uh, and just something about Joe Burrow just sort of won me over. The fact that he is cool under pressure. I didn't follow his career at LSU college football. I don't have room in my heart for it as much as most fans do. Uh, So really just through the draft process, we handled himself post game. They had what it takes in the recipe. So It was definitely the, the CJ Uzama. Why not them? And then I really loved the fan base because I think the fan base is smart. They're hungry, but they're not whiny and i think this is a fan base that is really riveted and enthusiastic and enjoying the moment and i hope it works out
0: so joe burrow and jamar chase are getting a lot of the credit and deservedly so they've been fantastic but what about this team do you think might be flying under the radar a little bit
1: i i mean i'm just going to go back to trey hendrickson because this was someone who had double digit sacks with the saints and there was a lot of the narrative nationally was oh that's because he's with Cam Jordan. That's because he's you know it's the Jadavian Clowney to TJ Watt effect or whatever it is or a one year wonder sack numbers can be misleading all of that and then you look at what he did what a streak what pressure what disruption uh, he's putting on on opposing offenses it is so fun to watch and tremendous and that's necessary especially this battle this weekend I, I'm you know if I had a worry about the Bengals it would of course be protecting uh, Joe which we'll get into but. I just think he's been such a force and he's been so great and he needs to get more national love.
0: We're visiting with Kay Adams from Good Morning Football. So a few weeks ago, you did a one-on-one interview with Jamar Chase, one of your Q&K interviews. Uh What stood out in that conversation? What really caught your ear?
1: I appreciated you know I love interviewing rookies because they're still honest right they're not as they haven't gone through the the media training as much as veteran players have so they say a little bit more and I really I thought it was very genuine. I really appreciated that he is honest about wanting things for himself and for his team and that's okay players are usually, I don't want the records. I just want team wins. That's the company line, but I think he wants it all. And I could feel the confidence he has that he can have it. We talked a lot about uh, his, his, of course, development with his quarterback, that chemistry, how much they ad lib out there. And he said that Joe Burrow holds him accountable. If they're not communicating, he'll run to him and he'll say, Joe, what am I doing? And Joe will let him have it and let him know. And uh, I liked it that he said that communication is still something that they're working on week in, week out. I thought that was impressive. They're not complacent. They're not, you know, we've been here, we've done this. We've won a national championship We're, you know, we're just skating and getting paid here in the NFL. Uh, It means something to him, which I love. And the craziest thing he told me, which I stopped the interview. He told me that I haven't seen a good catch. He basically (laughs) said, I said, what happened? I said, you're doing all this crazy stuff. Yards after catch, you're speedy, you're amazing. And this is before, of course, his his monster performance, but he said, he's like, I just, I gotta get to that like Tyler Boyd level. I need to get to these like, you know, Odell kind of catches and I'm like, "We, there's more? There's more to the show? Sign me up, I can't wait.
0: He is setting the bar really, really high, that's for sure. Was there a point this year where the Bengals went from fun, exciting, entertaining team to being a legitimate contender in your opinion?
1: That win over the Chiefs absolutely sealed the deal. You know, I always take the temperature on before games. What is this game going to do to change how I feel? That was a big whopping win that said, hey, we're not here, we're not a one hit wonder. The problem with sports media and the NFL and covering it, it's a lazy take that the narrative can't change. The narrative changes, the Rams get rid of Fisher, they bring in Sean McVay, they get their quarterback and Jared Goff, now Matthew Stafford, and the entire complexion of the, the franchise changes. There's ups and there's down downs, and the Bengals are just, they're on their way up.
0: So the Bengals are AFC North champs. The next hurdle is to win a playoff game. What are a couple of keys, in your opinion, to knocking off the Raiders on Saturday?
1: So the way I look at this is that they're both inexperienced teams, both quarterbacks, both teams have equal pressure to deliver wins to their respective fan bases who are expecting them, excited for them, riveted by them. Uh, I'm sure it's what you guys have been talking about week in, week out. I mean, these two teams face each other. Joe Mixon, a huge part of that game plan. Max Crosby is terrifying. And I know if you look at the sack numbers, they weren't there against Joe Burrow and company, but he was everywhere. I went back and we were watching the game uh, a couple of days ago because I'm a sick pup who's watching games <laughs> all the time. And he, uh, he, but his pressure was everywhere. He's incredible. I mean, eight sacks this season. Yannick Ngakwe, he was a monster and a problem for Burrow because of Max Crosby's presence. I've spoken to Yannick Ngakwe about how they work in tandem and how they're one of the pass rush best pass rushing duo so it's it's trite and it's the usual broken record but can you protect your quarterback I don't want to see that nameplate fly <laughs> it flies where I think that the, I'm, I'm, I just don't want to see that so um you know disruption is production and those are two of the better ones to do it but uh and remember Ngakwe has been to this dance 2017 Jags went to the AFC championship game, had a tremendous season uh, down there with Jacksonville. So he's been there and brings some experience to it too. So can you protect him? And I'll say the other thing, crowd noise. You heard your coach, talk about it i was there i had the time of my life in Cincinnati. i think everyone in the world knows i had the time of my life in cincinnati it has to be that same energy i can't tell you how many nfl players i've talked to over the years and i say talk to like i don't believe in home fields like tell like why should i care and a lot of them say that they can feel nervousness they can feel apprehension they can it's not just decibel levels that people are that you know players are, are picking up on. I thought that was so interesting. A lot of guys have said this. So I need the Bengals fan base to show up. Don't give your tickets to the Raiders because they travel and they will come in there and try <laughs> to invade and make it not cute. And I don't want to see that. But I think that there's a level of when things cross out like inexperience and you know across the board, firepower, whatever, momentum, they both have it on both sides. Things like that really matter. It's going from playing indoors in Vegas to playing outside in Cincinnati, where I have to like have electric hand warmers in 40 degree weather. I don't even know what the conditions will be. I know it'll be cold. Crowd noise is going to be huge, but also maintaining just the support, the supportive vibe, I would say, to put out there. It sounds kind of cheesy, but I think there's something to it.
0: All right, Bengals fans, you heard it from Kay. Bring the noise, be supportive for all 60 minutes. That's important in a playoff game. Final follow-up for Kay Adams from Good Morning Football. You mentioned you had the time of your life when you came here. What were the highlights of your Ruler of the Jungle visit, and how can we persuade you to come back?
1: Oh, I'll come back any I mean, I bother Seth Tanner like every other day. Like, I miss Blackburn. I would gladly come back uh, hang, and hang out with you. She, uh, Elizabeth is, I said, she'll have her time on Good Morning Football where I explain from my vantage point what she has meant to that organization and what she has done to improve the fan experience. And just to to open things up a little bit, I loved meeting her. One of the people I probably loved meeting in the past year the most. Uh, Meeting Marissa was incredible as well. And we're just very passionate fans. Grater's ice cream was delicious. Uh, I tried at uh, the Blackburns tailgate, I tried some chili. I thought I ate it all. I thought it was great. I think it's just the energy. It's just excitement, but it's not like entitled excitement. It's it's not shoved in your face. We have this. It's not mean. It's just excited. And I just felt at home there and I was so welcome.
0: You fit right in. It was great having you in town. We look forward to your return and we appreciate your time today. Thank you, Kay.
1: Thank you so much. Good luck.
0: Up next, this week's one-on-one player conversation. There are only four current players who were on the team the last time the Bengals were in the playoffs in 2015. Kevin Huber, Clark Harris, Trey Hopkins, who was on the practice squad at that time, and tight end C.J. Uzama, who was a fifth-round draft pick that year. I spoke to C.J. this week. C.J., in your rookie year, the Bengals started 8-0 and went to the playoffs, and it's taken you six years to get back. What does this playoff trip mean to you personally?
2: means everything. Um you know after the game uh, against Kansas City I got briefly got pretty emotional um just thinking about you know how tough it's been, you know, that that's that's what you fight for. That's why you play, that's why you go through what you go through during seasons and you know just for for an opportunity, you know. You want to get into the playoffs, you want to have, have an opportunity um in January and February to win a to win a Super Bowl. So Man, it, it, it means the world. It means the world to me. It means the world to this team to, to be able to um, have that opportunity to go out there, put our best foot forward and, and, you know, achieve everything that we wanted to achieve since the start
0: of the season. Back in August, at the beginning of training camp, you famously said, why not us? A cynic could have responded with because you guys only won four games last year. <laughs> but what did you see at that early stage that made you think this team was legit? I mean, just the talent
2: we have. And, and like you said, when, when I say that, a cynic can look and say, okay, well, yeah, but you guys are young. You have this, you have this. but but And just say a bunch of different things. But, you know, the way that I saw it, the way that I saw um, the pieces that we added, the way that I saw, you know, the new guys come in, the way that I saw us just vibing and clicking as a team um, and the potential that we had, I was like, I mean, every, everyone's going to say, there, there's going to be doubters for sure. Um, there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be bumps in the road. But why can't we go out there? and prove all of these people wrong you know we, we know what we have in this locker room and outside noise is just that so um yeah that's kind of uh what went, what my thought process was and um it's kind of holding true right
0: now we're chatting with cj uzama you've become the guy who leads the who Day" chant in the locker room after wins how did that happen and do you consider it a position of honor Oh, for sure. I think it's awesome.
2: Um, I think it's amazing. You know, after after a win, I get to go out there and, and lead the team, in, in that, and then uh, after the first win, um, Coach just said, "All right, CJ, come on, lead us in." There. And I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm in." Uh, yeah, I think to me, it's it's awesome to be able to to you know, if I have a few words to say to the boys, I can say them and um, break it down and. Uh, see the boys kind of hype me up when I get up there. It's, it's also, I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's a position of honor for sure. I'm, I'm elated that I get to do that this year.
0: So you face the Raiders on Saturday, a team with great edge rushers and Max Crosby, who leads the NFL with hundred quarterback pressures. That's 14 more than anybody else. And Yannick Ngakwe, who has 10 sacks. Do you go into the game thinking, we can't let those guys wreck the game?
2: As, as you go into a game like this, you, you, you know who they're who their key guys are you know what they're trying to do to get those guys freed up and, and put in favorable positions and um, and then you got someone like Denzel Perriman in the back you know as a linebacker who you're like okay well we have to account for this guy too and and you know they have they have secondary guys that just fly around the ball so yeah, obviously you're you're going into it thinking okay nice like we we know what the what they present and we're gonna have to, to handle and, and adjust accordingly or um, you know try to Try to be able to attack certain areas, um, but yeah, you, you you definitely don't want those those guys on the edge getting getting going early, getting their you know, getting their energy going and and, and thinking they're just kind of a field day out there. So um, yeah, we got to get after them and and the defense very very
0: early and very quickly. I know you respect guys that excel at your position. What makes Darren Waller one of the best?
2: Man, uh,
0: I, I the respect
2: I have to for him has grown exponentially um you know especially after hearing his story at, at, at Titan U and um getting to spend some time with him and, and talking football with him and then just talking life with him I, I have the utmost respect for him um but him as a player he's a i mean he's a dinosaur you know like he's he's one of those guys where it's like oh, they don't they don't really they don't make him like that too often um and it's just i mean just his speed the way that he sees the game the way that he can he can dissect defenses and and you know, picking his brain about how he runs routes against certain coverages, it's 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 unique. You know, he's able to attack leverages and and find openings. And if there's not really that big of an opening, he's he's a dinosaur, so he can go make a play. So um, yeah, I, I, as a player, he's 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 pretty unique.
0: We're chatting with CJ Uzama. When you're in the huddle with Joe Burrow on Saturday, will you be able to tell by his demeanor that it's a playoff game?
2: No. No, I don't think so. I don't think. I think that's something that's um, that's kind of unique about the team is is we don't really let the moment get too big. We know what's at stake. We know what we have to get done. We, I mean, we knew what happened in for the Kansas City game. We knew what was on the line for that, right? And we, we just go out there. And when we're in the huddle, we're just. I mean, we're the boys out there just having a good time and, and um, making plays. And, and that's what you want. You don't want someone. You don't want to look around and see someone who's kind of like, oh, deer in the headlights, are – oh, this is, this is a huge moment. You don't want the moment to be, to be too big for someone. And um, I don't think we have that in our, in our huddle. We just have a bunch of guys who are like, all right, nice. Like, when my number's called, if Joe throws me the ball, if Joe hands off the ball, if we have to make this block, we're going to make the block. That's just, that's how it is. Um, and that's, it's, it makes it fun. You know, it, it makes being in the huddle and playing that much more fun. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think we're, there's going to be
0: like a, a nerve factor going on. You're the first person that I remember that referred to him as Joey Franchise. Did you coin the nickname? I would be honest. Uh, it was it was James Casey
2: that said it the first time, and I was like, "Franchise, that's such a that money." So I'd say the tight end room coined that because I hadn't heard anybody say it until then. Um, and then we just started saying it. It was just something that the tight end started saying, and then it started picking up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the credit where credit's due with Coach Casey, even though he's gonna be like, I don't want the credit. Um, <laughs> but I, the tight ends, the tight ends for sure, and, and probably me in particular afterwards, because I was just like Joey franchise. Joe, Fr-, and his in my in my phone, his name is Joey franchise, and it's <laughs> and it's bad because I tried to text him. I tried to type in Burrow. I was like, where, where is his name? I can't find it. And I had to text him and be like, dude, I got to change your name in my phone because it's under franchise. And I'm, I'm going to forget that every time. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's where that came about.
0: That is the greatest nugget of all time. He is Joey <laughs> franchising your phone. That's great. All right. Yeah. Last thing we know at this time of the year that your body probably doesn't feel great. Was it like a Unexpected bonus to be able to get the final game of the regular season off to prepare for this. I mean, how great was that though, kind of, right? Like, that
2: was, you know, it's, it's, uh, I had mixed emotions, kind of, as well, to be completely honest, because I really wanted to play against the Browns, and, and, you know, that, that was, um, it was funny to me and, and kind of, um, ironic that. The hotel room that I had was the same hotel room that I had last year. The you know I went over to the spot where I tore my Achilles last year, and I was like, "Dang! Like it would be, it would be kind of nice to, to be able to play and, and um, kind of like self fulfilling to, to to be able to play on this field again." But I'm not gonna complain. Like I feel I feel so much better taking you know getting some time off, getting getting a chance to rest, and not go through a full game. Um, you know, talking to the other tight end, talk, talking to Mitch. Mitch was like. Man, I'm feeling this right now. Like that was his first time in, in since preseason, where he, he he was banging the entire game. So, um, yeah, it definitely was it was a nice uh, it
0: was a nice treat for sure to, to get that one off. I hope you are leading a who day chant Saturday night after playoff victory over the Raiders. Congrats on a great season to date. Best of luck in round one. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. How great is it that CJ has Joe Burrow's phone number stored under Joey franchise on his cell phone? The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This year, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. The Bengals won at Baltimore this year by 24 points, then won the rematch at home by 20. They won at Pittsburgh by 14, then won the rematch at Paul Brown Stadium by 31. Now they face the Raiders, a team they beat in Las Vegas 32 to 13 in late November. I discuss the upcoming rematch with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Lapham, I wanna start with something that I don't think is getting enough attention and that is the fact that Quentin Spain has been a full participant at practice this week. He's a gigantic man who was taken to the locker room on a cart less than two weeks ago. What does his, now it appears, likely return mean to the team? Huge presence, you know, literally and figuratively. He is a massive
3: human being, big broad shoulders and just very strong, strong hands and wrists and forearms, vice grip kind of guy, and um, very high football IQ, real, real smart. Nothing fools him out in the football field. He's seen every defensive configuration, every blitz package. Uh, I think he's a calming influence out there for the young players, as well as a physical presence. That um, I, I know. I know, for example, Joe Mixon's happy that he's going to be playing in this football game, and uh, it's Q's a, He's a tough guy, and uh, not surprised that he's, he's going to give it a go. And, and uh, the thing is, though, with those ankle injuries. You just never know. I mean, you just turn wrong. You're in a pile the wrong way, and um, sometimes they can, uh, they can exacerbate themselves pretty quickly. So Jackson Carmen still better be ready, and the fact that he's gotten the snaps that he's gotten and performed well for the most part uh, with a lot of those snaps I think is an encouraging thing.
0: They've already got two inexperienced guys in the starting lineup, the offensive line, and Isaiah Prince and Hakeem Adenogy. Not having three, to me, seems like a pretty big deal.
3: I agree, and and I'll tell you another guy that I thought looked pretty darn good out there at left tackle, and I wonder if he can play right tackle, Deontay Smith played well. I mean, that guy, he's got really good feet. He's got length. He's got good hands. I mean, he he got hurt at the wrong time, unfortunately, for him because he was making a move. He was—he was the guy. I think that Frank Pollock was—he uh, was on a fast track to get some snaps and get some playing time. But injuries can curtail those kind of things, and it did unfortunately for Deontay. But I think he's—he's he's back physically, and now it, can he catch up with everything? You know, you miss so many reps. You miss the—the uh, the, the mental part of it, as well as the physical part of it. You can keep up with the mental part of it, obviously easier, but there's nothing like being out in the field. From a mental standpoint, you know, you think you have it figured out. When you're out there and it's full full tilt and live bullets, sometimes it looks a lot different.
0: All right, let's stick with Bengals offensive line versus Raiders defensive line in this playoff game. Max Crosby has eight sacks and more than a hundred quarterback pressures. He leads the NFL. Unique Ngakwe has 10 sacks. They are going to be missing an excellent defensive tackle. Darius Philon suffered an injury in that finale against the Chargers, so he is definitely out. Do you look at Bengals offensive line versus Raiders defensive line as the biggest matchup question in this game? I look at it as a huge
3: one. There's no question about it. I, I, I think, honestly, both uh, lines of scrimmage, I, I think that the the Raiders, in my opinion, have one really good player in Colton Miller. Everybody else, just guys. And I'm sure that's what the Raiders think about the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, just guys. So will their the respective defensive fronts be able to take advantage? And I'm looking at uh, the matchup of uh, the interior pass rushers that the Bengals have, the Jobies, B.J. Hill. Uh, DJ Reader too getting pushed. I'm looking at them against those guards. I think the guards are the weak links of the offensive line and I I would think Lou Anarumo and company would have some pressure packages that would test and and, and put those guards in conflict a little bit. Walking linebackers up in gaps and twisting and stunning and things of that nature. So I'm I'm looking at that and, and I'm also looking at, like you said Dan, the flip side of it. The Bengals offensive line. Will they be able to handle those bookends? I mean Crosby and gakway that's a duo. I mean, that's a very, very, that's 18 sacks combined from the two of those guys. Um, in my mind, there's a million things you can do. You know, you can keep a tight end in, you can chip, you can slide the line, but quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hand quickly. I think that's another thing that you incorporate in the game plan. And don't forget about draws and screens. That's a, that, it's, it's forever tested. Paul Brown. He would, he would patrol the sideline, and he'd be like, time for the draw. He'd say, he'd say to the play caller, time for the draw. Because he could tell the pass rush were just, you up know, and the draw would break, bust for big yards. You know, he invented it. He invented the draw play with Marion Motley up there with the Cleveland Browns by accident. Um, so I, I, I think draws and screens are going to be a big, big factor. The Kansas City Chiefs hurt him badly with the screen game, throwing that screen game behind the pass rush. So there's a myriad of ways that you can slow that pass rush down. And the other way to do it, get Joe Mixon going. I mean, they finished that game grinding Joe Mixon in the second half, 19 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Get Big 28 uh, running inside, outside. Get him just hammering that defensive football team and anchor them a little bit.
0: Following up on that, 30 carries for 123 yards total in the first meeting, and Joe Burrow only threw for 148 yards. That's the fewest he's ever had in his 26 NFL starts. So do you expect a similar formula on Saturday? I do because, you know,
3: I think Gus Bradley's going to do the same thing. Gus Bradley, he, he does not load the box. He plays coverage. He has four guys that he can rely on to rush the passer in his mind. Now with injury, he might not have all four of those guys with the interior injury at defensive tackle. But I think he's still, he's gonna he's gonna make sure that Joe Burrow and and Jamar Chase don't throw it over their heads, you know that T Higgins doesn't throw it over the heads with Joe Burrow. I I think they're gonna do play a lot of that cover three, and you know, what what he does, I, I think his biggest attribute is is he gets guys to just really play hard for him. High energy, high enthusiasm. You know, I mean, um, they're they're just effort guys defensively, and he doesn't overload their minds. I mean, he keeps it real simple, and, and they can play fast, and they know his system cold. I think now, though, at this stage in the playoffs, another thing, another Paul Brownism that, that applies, and I remember he said it when we were in the playoffs for the first time in 1975. I can vividly see him up there in the front of the classroom saying, gentlemen. Sometimes we have to make the same things look different and different things look the same. And that's exactly what you do now. You don't overhaul your systems, you tweak them. And it, it might be, it's the same throw for the quarterback, but it might be instead of a slot receiver on a safety, it, by formation and window dressing room, it might be a running back on a linebacker because you're, you know, you're, you're putting your base people in there and you don't want sub packages in there. So the offense, you can control it with personnel, with formations, with motion, with window dressing. So Paul Brown would be like, if we've got some concepts that have worked for us, worked for us in the first matchup, sometimes you have to make the same things look different and different things look the same. And I think the the, game, the, the team that the game plans that way, and then most importantly the players that go out and execute best, are going to win the football game.
0: By the way, as I mentioned, Burrow threw for 148 yards in Game 1, the fewest he's ever thrown Four in an NFL game. His three lowest yardage figures ever all wins at Vegas, at Denver, at Pittsburgh this year. Let's talk about the other quarterback, Derek Carr. He was decent in Game 1, 215 yards, one touchdown, one pick for the season, 14th in the NFL in passer rating, 5th in passing yards, one spot ahead of Joe Burrow. What do you consider to be his strengths and his weaknesses? I think he has
3: immense arm talent. I think he can make every throw there is to make. Um, it's interesting though. No, I heard Jack Del Rio come out and say that he does not play well in cold weather. And that's his former head coach, so he has experience with it. So that was that kind of perked my ears up a little bit when I, when I heard that. Um, but I, I think I think what he does is sometimes tries to force the issue. He has so much confidence in that arm talent. I mean, he'll take a chance here and there. Um, so it, it, the, I, he'll, he'll put it up there for the defensive backs to, to uh, intercept. And when he does, you have to take full advantage of it. You can't let one slip through your hands, literally. Uh, you, you have to catch the football when he gives you that kind of an opportunity. The other thing with him is if you hit him, he gets deeply affected. Every quarterback is affected by pressure and by his, but his is significant. I mean, you can see him you know, reacting in a much different way as a quarterback after he's been smacked a couple of times, so that's going to be a, a big factor if they can get him off his spot and, uh, and, and, get, and hit him some and make him think about you, have him see ghosts a little bit, ghosts in the pocket, ghosts down the football field, have him see some of that stuff. Um, I, I do think that in this football game, he, here lately, he has done a great job of creating and extending plays and throwing up 50-50 balls, and they've either caught him or get pass interference penalties. So he's made some big plays that way. Joe Burrow can do the same thing. I think this game, a big factor might hinge on which quarterback is the most intelligent when they're creating and extending and not forcing, but making, you know, making big plays down the football field and avoiding big mistakes down the football field.
0: Let me follow up on the weather. The forecast for 4:30 on Saturday is in the high 20s. The current temperature in Las Vegas is in the mid 60s. So, how big of an advantage do you think that is? I think it's. I think it is. I think it's
3: significant. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that in the 20s for for linemen, that's not you know that's not cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, you, you can handle that. Uh, but I, but I think for skilled guys that that aren't used to that that ball gets harder, it gets slicker, like everybody talks about. Um, you know, your hands are, are you know can can get cold and, and get numb a little bit. and You have a hard ball hitting those those cold hands. It's a, it's a totally different feeling, and 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 the ball it feels like it's coated with resin. You know, when it's when it's cold like that, it's weird how how the resin and, and I don't know why it migrates, but the resin seems to migrate to the surface of the football. It's crazy, um, but I, but I do think. I think that's going to be a factor, and, and when you look at it, that influences ball security. You know, I mean, I mean, you got to go high and tight big time when it's cold like that. Because if you get hit in cold weather, sometimes you know, if you're hitting sixty-degree weather, you're going to be able to grip that football a little bit better than you will when it's in the twenties and get hit like that. Like we talked about, the ball's harder, it's slicker, your hands are cold, your arms are cold. It's a it's a much different dynamic. You got to get used to that, and you have to get a get a feel for that and if you practice in it all week you have a little bit better feeling than if you haven't so I I think uh, all those things are going to be a factor the one thing when I was researching the uh, the Raiders that stunned me six interceptions what dead last in the NFL six interceptions in in 17 games and they have a really good front four you know it's like you know they're getting more than a couple sacks a game why isn't that transferring into more interceptions they just haven't taken the football away very much, and it's because they haven't, you know, intercepted the ball very much. So, Joe Burrow's on a stretch where he hasn't thrown an interception for a long time—146 passes, I think it is, something like that. So, hopefully, that continues. And so far, they haven't shown much propensity to pick quarterbacks off.
0: So, a big storyline this week has obviously been the playoff drought, and I think people have kind of looked at it and said, "These guys have nothing to do with that long stretch of." Futility and shouldn't be affected by it. But when the Bengals take the field on Saturday and every Bengals fan in attendance is yearning to end that streak, do you think they'll feel it then? That's a great question. Um,
3: I, I, I hope the fan base, I hope they have a sense of urgency to get as loud as they possibly can. Because let's go back to the opener, Dan, the Minnesota game that the Bengals won in overtime. Minnesota had multiple false starts because of crowd noise. Plain and simple. It was just flat-out crowd noise. And uh, remember how loud it was when we were in Vegas playing the Raiders? That place was that was off the, off the hook. It was loud, man, in that dome. They were going crazy. The Bengals handled it pretty well. Let's test the Raiders. Man, everybody come to that game full throat, loud and proud, and uh, see if we can affect them a little bit. Uh, that's that's, that's going to be a, a big factor in this football game. So if, if the fans are, are wondering how they can help make sure to end that streak that
0: they're, they're, they've they suffered through, do it by vocal cords. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty confident going into this game, and much of my confidence is rooted in Joe Burrow, his track record in big games, and his personality in general. Do you think that his teammates have that same feeling because of Joe?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think he, I think they follow his lead. I think he just rises to the occasion. I think he's one of those kind of guys that, big stage, time to go out and do your best. You know, don't shrink shrink up like a shrinking violet. You know, go out there and be a star. Go out there and play. And that's the big thing too. Joe did a great job of that. The, the numbers you talked about, his three career lowest yardage games, they won the football game. You don't have to play hero ball. Joe Burrow knows he doesn't have to play hero ball. He understands that totally. Jamar has to understand he doesn't have to play hero ball. Joe Mixon has to understand. Everybody has to understand. Do your job to the best that you possibly can. Don't try to do anything more than what you're supposed to do, but do what you're supposed to do at the highest level you possibly can do it. And uh, then you're going to win the football game. And that's, in the playoffs, that's that's, that's as big a factor as anything.
0: Joe Burrow will be one of five quarterbacks making his first playoff start this weekend. The Bengals will be facing another one in Derek Carr. Finally, it's time for this week's Know the Foe segment. Charles Davis, who calls NFL games on CBS with Ian Eagle, was in the booth for five Raiders games this year. He joined Lapp and Wayne Box Miller on the Bengals Game Plan Show and started by sharing what he likes about the 2021 Bengals.
4: I'd like to Has the air to it of we're just going to do what we do the past okay you guys can talk about it but it's not going to define us we're going to take care of our own business and when they had opportunities you know one of their breakthroughs was winning three in a row right when was the last time 2015 and that became a thing didn't it in fact we had it we had the chargers game one of the times they were going for three in a row and didn't get there and zach taylor really emphasized hey let's get a breakthrough here and it didn't happen a lot of teams would just go away on that. A lot of teams would have more issues. They came back, battled their way. And when they finally broke through and got three in a row, Kansas City? <laughs> That's a pretty strong one to make, it, make your move on. So I just like where this team is. And, and look, a second-year quarterback in the old days didn't really take over a team. This young man took over the minute he, he got drafted. And now they really reflect who he is. This is, this is Joe Burrow kid. There's something really special about him. And when we sit in production meetings and all, he's not got—he doesn't have a speed up on and telling us tales and all that. He answers <laughs> the questions just fine, but you can tell he's all about
3: business. Dude, he, you're right, Charles. Man, that dude is laser focused. There's no question. And in today's National Football League, you have to have a quarterback, and and uh, they've got the youngest duo in the history of the National Football League to have a thousand yards receiving in the same year. And uh, his man Jamar Chase, who he worked with at LSU. Set a franchise record, single season record, 1,455 yards. It's only fourth best in the league this year, even though it's a Bengals franchise <laughs> record. That tells you what the league's like. But you, as a former defensive back, and a good one, when you've got guys like Chase, Higgins, Boyd, what kind of conflict does that cause you in the back end?
4: Uzama, Mixon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. you just keep going, right? It, it yeah. causes all kinds of conflict because. If you want to kick coverage in a certain direction, if you're doing things, you're guessing. You know, you're know, you playing odds in a sense. Certain third downs, if you think that they'd like to go to a certain place on a third down, maybe you want to double one of those guys. But they all, every one of those guys can make you pay. That's the thing. It's, it's not like you take away certain people, and guess what? The other guys aren't going to really sting you. You take away Chase. Okay, we send all of our coverage there. You really think Boyd and Higgins aren't going to light, light you up? They are. they've proven it time and time again so with all those weapons the plethora of things going on and an offensive line that's probably playing a little bit better than what you would you know you would think in terms of how they might have been rated coming out where the talent level is all of that you're putting together a pretty powerful group and I can't wait to see them go at it on Saturday with the Raiders because both of them have been through their stuff this year and battled their way through the Bengals were a division title the Raiders with a really unlikely playoff birth, considering everything that's gone on in Las Vegas this year,
3: no doubt. You know, Charles Davis is. I guess Charles, you watched a lot of football, and, and talk about just how impressive it is. You bring in Trey Hendrickson, you bring in uh, Von Bell. You know, you bring in a lot of new guys, uh, Chidobe Awuzie, and these guys just seem to mesh with the existing players. It's not that easy, uh, although people may think that, right? Yeah, you're exactly
4: right, and I think what helps. Is that when these guys come in, they weren't coming into a place that had either had a ton of success or wasn't ready to ascend to it. They came in because, like Trey Hendrickson told us, he had a feeling about this place, you know, spent the time. He bought into Zach Taylor. When was the last time you heard anyone around the league say, you know what, I went to Cincinnati, I really bought into their vision. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You just don't hear that. So, so, So when Trey Hendrickson is saying that and as focused as he is, it means something. And then you have guys who have had success, both in the collegiate and the pro level, who have come over. Larry Ogunjobi out of Charlotte. Okay, so no one's talking about his college success, but, boy, has he carved out a nice niche in the NFL being a starter in Cleveland and on a team that found its way in the playoffs last year, and he helped, you know, make successful. I think one of the most underrated people on this staff is Marion Hobby. Now, there's a lot of bias here, okay? Marion and I played together at Tennessee,
0: (laughs) but he is one heck
4: of a good football coach. I mean, and what he's done with that front, and you spend time with Sam Hubbard, you spend time with Trey Hendrickson, you spend time with and Joby, you spend time with any of the guys there, they willingly talk about what he gives them, and and I'm going to leave you with this. Sam Hubbard compared him to Larry Johnson, the quintessential defensive line coach in college football at Ohio State, and when an Ohio State Buckeye compares another D-line coach with Larry Johnson, who is their godfather, Okay, the Boses go back in the offseason and spend time with Larry Johnson. Okay, and that, if, if you want to know what it's all about, that's high praise. And that defensive front, they've done some work this year.
3: Let me ask you a question about the Raiders. How do the Raiders have 10 wins and 7 losses when they're outscored by 65 points They've, uh, they're the 31st most penalized team in the league, 32nd most penalty yards in the league. Uh, they've only got six interceptions on the season uh, last in the National Football League. They give up a touchdown defensively in the red zone 81.4% of the time last in the National Football League. <laughs> How the hell have they won 10 games? What do you think, Charles? What's up with that?
4: I don't know, Dave, and and, and here's here's the thing. Our our crew has had the Raiders five times this year. Really? so we've seen them, and we've seen – there's a toughness to them. There's a resilience to them. We saw them week two. Remember that Monday nighter that they had with Baltimore that was so terrific? And and your car hit Zay Jones for the touchdown. They had to turn around short week and go to Pittsburgh the next week. Remember, Pittsburgh had just beat Buffalo in the season opener.
0: Yeah. So they were feeling pretty good
4: about themselves. They went up there and beat them on the road and got off to that great start. Yep. Our crew was in town when the John Gruden news broke. In fact, I wow. was at practice, and wow. John said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Because I've known John for 35 years and told me what was about to go down. And that was the weekend they played the Bears, and the Bears, who were not very good, went yep. in there and beat them because they, they were they were discombobulated. We were also there, I believe, right after Henry Ruggs. <laughs> okay, We were there wow. when Cincinnati took charge in the second half and ran them into submission when Joe Joe Mixon and crew beat them down cause Zach Taylor said, if we just stay with it, they will crack, and they did. How they've gotten ten wins, there's a lot of toughness, and Derek Carr is one of the most underrated guys going in terms of fortitude. He's a good player, all right? Yep. He probably doesn't get his due that way. But that guy really helped yes. keep that locker room together with everything that went on. And that team actually does believe in him. And they've hit the right plays at the right times. This is like the old Peanuts uh, cartoon strip with Charles Schultz where Lucy is getting all over Charlie Brown about his (laughs) his baseball team. Okay, And she's crushing him. And she's like, and and you guys are last in the league in this, and you're last in the league in that, blah, blah, blah. And your stats say this. And finally Charlie Brown says, Lucy, tell your statistics to shut up. (laughs) That's kind of where the Raiders are. Just tell the statistic to shut up. We're just going to yep. show up and play. But I got a relentless <laughs> pass rush now. Crosby, you think you think a they get after it and they create a little havoc back there. But the numbers, they don't make sense. That,
3: that's why I can't believe they only have six interceptions with that pass rush. To only have six picks because those guys yeah, are but, all but Dave, over people.
4: What they've got, what they've got on the back end. You know, when Jonathan Abram is right, Jonathan Abram is a box safety who can't cover. He's not a yeah. cover guy. Right. I, I mean, coming out of college, I love the fact that he, you know, like, <laughs> like Burgess Meredith said in Rocky, I'm not into it tomorrow, Rocky.
1: Yeah, right, <laughs> right.
4: But, 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 but his coverage ability isn't very good. Trayvon Merrick is that high center field safety who's going to get yeah. better and better as time goes on. He's ranging. Casey Hayward yeah. is there. But they are not super ball hawks, but they do a nice yeah. job keeping things in front and waiting for you to make a mistake.
0: Our thanks to Charles Davis, and for much more on Saturday's playoff game, join Lapp and me for the Bengals Pep Rally Show this Friday afternoon from 3 to 6 on ESPN 1530 or on the iHeartMedia app by searching for ESPN 1530. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free to play, next level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play.